Welcome back to Afternoons Live with Tyler Axness. I am totally not Tyler Axness. I am Aaron Oban, State Director for USDA Rural Development. Filling in for Tyler, a uh, little less than an hour left on air as we're talking USDA Rural Development, uh, the agency in which I am so uh, fortunate to work and serve alongside a great team of um, of folks who, who help North Dakotans um, access those dollars to support improving the lives of rural communities and the quality of life in rural communities. If you're interested in any of the programs we've discussed or checking those out, you can visit rd.usda.gov or call our state office at any time, 701-530-2037. And we would be happy to answer your questions and give you some assistance if you're just looking for some information. As a part of the $531 million I mentioned earlier that were invested into North Dakota's rural communities through USDA Rural Development uh, just in the last year alone, $133.6 million of that was into electric programs in North Dakota. For anyone who enjoys when the lights come on, when you flip the switch on the wall, um, or as I like to say sometimes, uh, turn on the blow dryer and it actually dries my hair, uh, stay warm in the winter, stay cool in the summer. If you're living in rural communities, it's highly likely that you're being served by a rural electric cooperative. Uh, the, the passage recently by Congress and signed by the president of the Inflation Reduction Act dedicated $40 billion to USDA over the next 10 years. And some of that is dedicated for long-term resilience, reliability, and affordability of rural electric systems and to lower costs for families in rural communities. It is the largest investment in, in REC infrastructure since the passage of the Rural Electrification Act in 1936. So there is so much happening that is benefiting North Dakotans in ways they don't always recognize and I uh, love to use opportunities to talk about those positive ways um, where partnerships between the federal government and our rural communities can help to improve people's lives. My next guest uh, is Lori Sapu. She is with the North Dakota Association of Rural Electric Cooperatives. Now, I'm not going to ask Lori to talk about those electric programs because she provides a really unique and special, I think, service um, in partnership with the members of the um, NDARAC, so those rural electric cooperatives, and the Broadband Association, um, with some support from rural development to provide technical assistance, uh, connections, uh, problem solving of all things rural challenges. So I uh, love that I got to represent Lori and her family in the Senate and that now we have stayed connected and even a greater connection um, in our work in in this uh, in my position with rural development. So, Lori, thanks for joining me. Well, thank you, Erin, for including me. Well, I'm happy to. Uh, one of the first things I learned when I uh, started the job was two things. Lori told me that she doesn't think people don't want to live in, live in rural communities anymore. It's just that at some point it seems to get too hard to stay there. And the second thing I learned is from almost every community I have talked to since I started this job, they have at some point reached out to Lori and worked with Lori and her team 
at the North Dakota Association of Rural Electric Cooperatives in the Rural Cooperative Development Center. Tell us, Lori, first, what all the things you do. Tell, give us a sample of some of the ways in which you are partnering with rural communities to solve problems. Oh, well, sure. I, I usually start out by saying that it's like a, a jack-of-all-trades type of job. So we typically work with the smaller communities and help groups of people build the businesses and services that they need to live comfortably in rural North Dakota. So that's like walking them through a business planning process to, to create a business that they probably don't even intend to work at. Like childcare, they need a childcare center so that they can go to work, but they do all the work to develop that, that business so that they can have childcare so they can work. So you're not helping with really easy issues. <laughs> I mean, solving the crisis that is in North Dakota in childcare is so challenging, and you've been hard at work on this issue for quite a while with our rural communities. Right. Yeah, it is. It's not easy, but it's it's really gratifying. And I think one of the benefits of being a statewide um, development entity is that you learn from other projects. So something that's successful in one spot, you can transfer some of that learning to the next spot. But also, like, the, the learning that communities aren't all the same. There's no cookie-cutter model. So we can't just say, like, here is a child care cooperative. We're all going to have child care cooperatives. You need to take into account the size, the um, personalities of the people, and what assets they have available to them. Sure. Another one of those issues that you are uh, working really hard. So we've we've talked a little bit about trade workers and adult home care, like these really specific um, workforce challenges where you're trying to at least make them aware that a cooperative might be a way of supporting um, uh, to, to build capacity in what they're doing. Yeah, so in a very sparsely populated area, cooperatives are one of the best ways to get the services that you that you need. It empowers people to work together. So, um, like, whenever we hear of an issue out there where there's a shortage, and home care workers are definitely one of those areas, we try to bring some education out there. So if you look on our, on our um, website, you'll see some information on what a home care worker is, and then we'll bring some speakers in and start talking about it and hoping that people start learning about what that model is. Um, but and cooperatives empower people, like a home care cooperative would be a worker cooperative, so you the workers then would own their business and have a chance to earn a higher wage than they would if they were working for somebody else. Sure. And that's a model that has proven to work per the RECs to serve rural communities where it is more expensive and there are fewer people. Yes. Yeah. And so some of this work that you do, certainly not all of the work you do, Lori, is supported with with, um, some funds from rural development. Do you want to talk about how many times... Um, maybe that program has been accessed uh, in order to support the work that you do, and and if it's if it's enough to continue to this to do this good work that you provide uh, to rural people. So we have been receiving that grant since 1994, and we partner it with uh, dues and donations from the Rural Electric and Telecommunications Cooperatives. Um, the funding has stayed consistent for many, many years. So inflation goes up, the funding doesn't seem as much, but sure. our cooperatives have done a nice job 
continuing to support the program as well. And what it allows us to do is to go into these rural communities and provide that technical assistance that they need to develop businesses without needing to charge them. Lori, we are going to take a short break, but when we come back, can we talk a little bit about uh, the food access issues, the grocery, rural grocery store uh, uh, challenges and closures that have sure. really, um, really been made even worse over the last few years. <laughs> Talk about that huge challenge and the ways in which you are helping to support uh, some of those needs. Sure. Thanks for holding on. We'll be right back. You take the business route. You're always the one to follow the light, and you look like you're doing all right. Joe cracked it. Welcome back to Afternoons Live with Tyler Axness. I'm Erin Oban sitting in, and I'm visiting right now with Lori from the North Dakota Association of Rural Electric Cooperatives in the director of their Rural Cooperative Development Center. We were talking a little bit about the ways they are supporting uh, rural child care needs, rural home health care needs. Um, and one of the ways in which I know they have had an incredible impact is in the area of food access. Lori, will you share a little bit about that project up in the northeast corner of the state, how all of that sort of came to be, uh, the uh, years that went into finding a solution, and how that solution is working out so far? Sure. So we started. We stumbled across this declining trend of grocery stores back in 2014, so that's how long it's taken us to come up with a solution that we think uh, will work in other areas as well. So we, um, you know, we started with 139 grocery stores, and today we have, and I should say, 139 grocery stores in communities of 2,100 or less people. Today that number stands at 87, and we're doing what we can to keep those open. And so in Walsh County, we have formed a shared services cooperative. It's known as the Rural Access Distribution Co-op. And it's um, basically working on streamlining that distribution for small grocery stores. And so what we do is we've formed that cooperative so that independent grocers can purchase together so that they can achieve a higher volume, which equates to a lower wholesale price for them. So the and three also, grocery oh. stores in, the com- in those three communities formed a co-op together. Yes. In um, Edinburgh, Hoople, and Park River. Okay. Correct. Okay. Um, and so what that does then is that it also allows them to share in cases together. So instead of having to buy a whole case of lettuce and they can't sell it before it spoils, they can split that so right. that variety is better and um, quality is better. And uh, so they've been doing that for the past year. We've shown that the two smaller stores have experienced a, a sales volume increase of. over the last year. So we know that it is working. Um, We've also helped them then improve their, their, modernize their technology. So we've implemented an online shopping platform that's shared by three retailers. So they're splitting the cost of it instead of having to pay it independently. And then we've tied that online shopping platform to climate-controlled grocery lockers. So we've placed one of those in Fordville, a town that does not have food access, and then one in front of the Park River grocery store to extend the time period that you can uh, have access to food without having to man a store. So the technology has been really slow. That piece is almost ready, but not quite. So individuals now have access to an 
online grocery store grocery store um, app or or whatever it is to yeah from their local grocery store and they can pick up their groceries in a little locked locker in a different town. Yeah, and the lockers are cool. You shop online on an app like you would any other online shopping experience. Once you um, place your order, it goes into the Park River store. They're going to shop it for you, deliver it to those lockers. They're refrigerated, ambient, and frozen. And once that order is delivered, um, a code is either text or emailed to the customer, and they go to the lockers. They just swipe on the kiosk and enter their code, and the lockers that are holding their groceries pop open for them. Lori, I think what I've realized about some of the some of the rural communities we work with is that people want solutions. Sometimes they just they need somebody to bring them together and and find ways of making it happen. And I think that that's that's an incredible service that you provide is being that person who will pull people together who say, "Oh, I've heard this challenge here and I think it might be able to partner with this and and now has it expanded beyond um just grocery stores are there any other purchasing being done together that that has gone beyond those grocery stores yeah so the schools now are purchasing their school lunch program foods through the grocery stores so that's increasing food uh the sales volume to the grocery stores and it's improving the cost of food for everybody um, they also are backhauling potatoes into the Park River store from Hoople. Uh, that's a local producer. And then they have um, a bakery, a local bakery, that's moving their products through that distribution channel as well. And, you know, the more suppliers they add and aggregate with, the more affordable the food becomes because instead of having 15 trucks come to a small store, you're just going to have one truck per week come to a small store. You're aggregating it at one point putting it on the truck and delivering it at one time. Which is also keeping some of the pains of maintaining infrastructure <laughs> down as well. Yes, yes, exactly. So there's like all these added benefits that I think sometimes we, we may not immediately identify. Um, but the fact that you have data that shows that those grocery stores have increased their sales by trying something different and doing it together, just what a tremendous service that is to the entire northeast corner of the state. Um, where without a solution, they would probably, uh, we would lose additional um, grocery stores, which would increase, um, you know, food scarcity in, in areas that really need it. So I want to thank you, Lori, for, uh, for accessing rural development programs to support the great work you do. Uh, the number of times I have spoken to people who, if we don't have a direct program to help them, I say, go talk to Lori at the RACs. <laughs> um, you you are just a, a great resource for North Dakotans, and the RECs are, are so lucky to have you and your team. Well, thank you, Erin, and we so appreciate your support. Have a, have a great day, Lori. I'll see you around the area. I have no doubt we're working on a couple things together now. This is Erin Oban filling in for Tyler Axness on KFGO Afternoons Live with Tyler Axness. Yeah.